As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Uh, fresh off uh, another series loss for the Cubs. So that's four in a row. Uh, and we'll, we won't hang on that too much today, I think. Not because it's like it's depressing and the aggregate of it is that it will continue probably to build up this year. Uh, but also because I think we just have some some broader things to discuss that might be more interesting. But I will note um, that in those four series losses now in a row for the Cubs, they lost the final game uh, each of those four times. So they had a rubber match in each of them and lost uh, three of the four being particularly non-competitive, which probably skews the reaction to it a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We're, we're professional podcasters, so I think we like to fancy ourselves immune to th- that kind of like um, end of end of period bias that we tend to get. But uh, I don't know. I-, I don't know if you guys have noticed that at all, because it's like it's it's a six and nine record, which is not nice, uh, but it's three games under 500. You could certainly tell yourself a story about how it's within a week. It can swing over that very easily. But I think the way that they've lost these series probably does more to cement what we thought we already thought about this team. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, as far as this past series goes, I'm almost content to leave it there because I don't know that... Um, especially given that the weekend games, it was 13-4 Cubs and then 13-4 Braves. And unless you're interested in saying that one of those was real and the other one was just, you know, it's just one game, you throw it away. Um, I don't know how much there is to take away from from that series in particular. No, yeah, it's not really the series that, that I would focus on. I, I mean, it's a negative 23 run differential. Only the Tigers have have it worse right now uh it's early in the in the season and those things fluctuate so I, i'm not sure if if i'm ready to suggest that the cubs are like a bottom five team in baseball right now but hey maybe maybe post deadline we'll be talking about that but you think it's possible now though don't you like and i'm not even like being facetious 
I, I mean, we'll get into some things, but I think there are things that are going to stabilize and be significantly better, significant or marginally like <laughs> to significantly better. I mean, primarily the starting pitching. It, it, it can't be this bad. Let's just transition to that because I know we wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, right now it's the second worst uh, starting pitcher ERA in baseball, 591 ERA. I, I don't think, I think uh, one starter, unless you don't, I don't count Alec Mills since he made one four inning start, maybe it was uh, a spot start. There's one starter with an ERA below five. Uh, in the rotation right now. I, I don't think Kyle Hendricks is going to look like this for the rest of the year. I certainly don't, unless there's something broken with uh, Zach Davies. Uh, I don't, we don't, obviously we, we're much more comfortable with talking about Kyle Hendricks, right? We've watched his entire career. We know he goes through these types of uh, ruts throughout a uh, season. Over the course of a season, it'll happen. His mechanics get out of whack. I don't know Davies well enough to tell you that uh, that this is what's wrong and this is why I believe he'll be right. I can just look at his track record and I can look at some things and tell you his sinker shouldn't be where it's located right now and I assume that he'll get it right at some point. I don't know how quickly he will. I don't know uh, if there's something more to it that should be alarming, but right now I it's way too early for me to suggest that that there's something wrong, significantly wrong with uh, Zach Davies and, and we should uh, start, you know, uh, freaking out about his rotation spot. I, I think Trevor Williams had a really rough outing in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know how much of that was. I really want to get back. You know, I, I have, there's a lot of things going, emotions running back in my uh, first team uh, ballpark and all that stuff. I don't know. I, I've liked what I've seen in the, his other two starts. Uh, and, and then, you know, I just trust that this, uh, we've talked about this starting rotation before, right? How, uh, how there's maybe the ceiling is capped, but I think that there's a pretty high floor. And I still believe that I, I don't think they'll, they'll be terrible unless the defense is just not what we expect it to be, which is obviously possible. And, and, and it's definitely possible that a guy like Arietta and Williams, uh, struggle, uh, you know, things start going south. But I, I, I just have a feeling that Hendricks and Davies will be the ones that really stabilize. They, they can't be this bad. And that's what, that's why these numbers are so eye-popping right now. I just don't believe Hendricks and Davies are going to look like this over the course of 162 games. Brett, on Saturday morning, was it, was that your tweet of asking Cubs fans if they would lock in the number one pick in next year's draft right now? If you could, you take that. That's, that was amazing. Well, and I, and I deleted it almost immediately. Not because I didn't, I wasn't intrigued by what the answers would be, but uh, Twitter broke this weekend. And so the poll functionality broke. So oh, it was okay. like zero to zero. And I was like, all right. But yeah, the question was, yeah, would folks, <laughs> as of that moment, if you could say, you know what? Screw it. Worst record this year. I'm locking it in right now. And And the point there is not to suggest that that is what the Cubs should do. I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there. Um, but it was more just like, I'm always curious what the temperature is among fans. Like, how reactionary are they being right now? And so I'm a little bummed that I didn't get the answer, but I have a feeling it probably would have been above 50-50. No, I, I was cracking up seeing that. Um, and then, of course, they go out and have, like, their best offensive game and, like, Almost no one like took it like, hey, maybe this is a sign. Like Cubs are back. <laughs> like no, it was just like oh, they'll probably get you know, you know, score like 
one run the next day. And I think that's like the weird part of all the stuff we're talking about. Like the Cubs are saying, you know, be patient, take a step back, evaluate the whole thing. And I actually think it looks worse when you take a step back. Like why, why do you think the pitching is going to be good this year when you don't draft good pitchers, when you trade you Darvish and when you absolutely slash the budget for baseball operations? Like what, like what do we think is going to happen? to this team and that obviously there is a established talent on the roster and you have to give it kind of room to breathe and a chance to let them play this out. But, you know, they've given us like no reason to think that they're going to be like getting out of this. Like what are the Cubs hang their hat on? Like good bullpen numbers when they get down by six runs in like the first inning or two, like that's, been kind of it so far. I mean, Wilson Contreras, there's good individual players. Chris Bryant looks great, but in terms of like on a night to night basis, uh, I don't think we really have any idea what's coming. And I think that's why this record feels, you know, a lot worse than it does, than it actually is. Yeah. I think too, the, it, it's not as if we didn't know that, um, you know, baseball doesn't often, uh, treat you to a very clean version of whatever storyline you set up in the spring. Um, and as it came to the rotation, the way we talked about it was uh, a lot like Sahadev had laid out, which is that we know that this should be sort of a higher floor rotation, not a command and control guys that aren't necessarily going to get obliterated, but the ceiling is, is pretty limited and the ceiling is probably only going to be as far as the defense will take them. But when it, when you actually start playing 162 games, it it is just so much. There, there's so much greater variability from day to day in how it actually plays out. And so, what I worry about with the rotation and as it relates to the overall record of this team, and this is of course something that we could have could have and probably did say a lot in spring training. It's that while it's wholly possible that Kyle Hendricks will be Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies will. Uh, continue to take the steps forward he did the last two years. I mean, he was excellent with the Padres last year. Excellent. But it was, what, 12 starts? Uh, and it's possible that Jake Arrieta will be vastly improved, back in a more familiar place, healthy, etc. Trevor Williams, same thing, bounce back. Albert Alzali taking a step forward. All these things were individually possible. But two problems with that. One, just because each of these things is individually possible doesn't mean that all of them happening is likely. In fact, the opposite is true. All of them happening is quite unlikely. And then two, lost in that discussion is a lot of other things are possible. Like maybe Kyle Hendricks has his worst year. It's still solid for an overall pitcher, but for him, maybe his worst year. Maybe Zach Davies' year in San Diego was a small sample illusion. He goes back to being sort of a okay for type guy. Maybe Jake Arrieta just continues the decline. Maybe Albert Alzali is not ready to be a, a starting pitcher. Maybe he's going to still have these hiccups. And maybe Trevor Williams was the guy he showed in Pittsburgh. All of those things are equally possible to the upside. And what will end up manifesting over 162 games is it's not going to be exactly all that. It's not going to be exactly all the good stuff. It's going to be kind of a mess of everything. And what that means for this Cubs team is like what Mooney said. If you chose not to invest in, for example, the rotation in a serious competitive way and indeed stripped away from it, and you don't have this clearly emerging ready to go starting pitching talent, 
you're probably going to have a really crummy overall rotation. And I, again, I don't know that we, I'm not saying we didn't expect that or that I'm being like reactionary to say that now in late April. It's, it's that this was always a strong possibility and, and, and going forward the rest of the season, it remains a strong possibility that this will actually be a pretty disappointing rotation. Yeah. I think, uh, there's something to be said for you can build a bullpen with in this fashion, right? You can you can build a put a bullpen together with some high upside guys without a ton of track record and it can work over the course of 162 games. I don't think you can do that uh, with a rotation or an offense, right? You can't you can't say, well, let's just take a bunch of risks here, hope for some upside, hope we can tweak some things with these guys and and fix everyone and get to, get some guys to to uh, either outperform what they have done recently or or yeah we we know how to how to maximize certain types of of uh, traits we'll, we'll get we'll get it out of each one of these guys it's a, it's a different beast with starting pitchers and and with the and with position players right these are they're, they're just different roles and it doesn't work the same way uh i, I think it, you have to you have to have upside in the farm system and you have to be willing to spend money uh to, to really get that to work. Otherwise you have, you have what we're looking at right now. And I think it's, I think it's jarring to, to think about just, you know, I know we talked, we've talked about this so much over the years, but where they were five years ago, what was expected and, and what kind of, we all, I think kind of believed where this team would be and, and how, and, and the trajectory they were on. I think it was hard. Sometimes it's been hard for me to even accept that it has been a down downswing every single year since the World Series, right? I mean, I don't want to dismiss 2017. They made it to the NLCS. That's a, that's an impressive feat. We in any other era would be would be you know singing their praises for for uh, going that deep and and that they've made the playoffs. They've that they've been a competitive team, but it's hard to deny that. That where they were a few years ago and where they are now, it's nowhere close. This is not where it's supposed to be. This is not what was expected. A lot of things have gone wrong. Uh, this is a team that was built on offense that has one of the most frustrating offenses in baseball. Uh, and not just frustrating, uh, you know, impotent. They're, they're, the offense does very little. Uh, on a regular basis right now. I know they had the breakout on Saturday and you know what? They'd look decent on Sunday. They didn't, if, if Sunday's performance was what we'd gotten for the previous two or three weeks, whatever it's been, uh, I think we'd, would probably be, uh, you know, there'd be less doomsaying going on right now. Right. We, we wouldn't be as, as concerned, but I, I think we all know and we've all watched this enough to to not really just assume that, okay, they've turned a corner by any means or, you know, maybe we'll see some consistency. Maybe we'll see some big outbursts. Maybe we'll see some some wins uh, stacked up. But I think ultimately this this looks at best like a like a 500 team at the moment. And and we it's just not where it's supposed to be. I I kept it. I I really I think it hit me over the weekend when when Twitter was going crazy over Dodgers Padres at like midnight, right? Like it, it, people were freaking out over that, that series and how great it was. And and that's how baseball should be showcased. I, I mean, we all love baseball and we want it to do well. And 
highlighting the Dodgers and the Padres is exactly how you do that. The Cubs aren't in that conversation anymore. They used to be. There was talk about the Cubs are an elite team. Okay, how do they get? And then in 2017, they're not far away. How do they get back to being that elite team they were in 16, right? They made it to the NLCS. Okay, 2018, you bring in you Darvish, back to being an elite team, right? This is there's that offensive core. They they know what they're doing. This team has so much upside, and they just haven't haven't come close to being considered among the elite. Do they make the playoffs? Do they contend? Yes. But I, I think it's hard to look back and say from 18 on that this has been a team that you say, yep, they're among the best. That is one of the top three or four teams. And I know making the playoffs is different than being a top four team. Uh, maybe I'm being maybe I'm grading them on too harsh a scale, but I just I don't think uh, this is what was this isn't what the the expectations were set up here, you know, very high. And, and this that they're not, they haven't come close. They were supposed to be the Dodgers. That's what the expectations were. And they're not, the, the Dodgers have lapped them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I go back to Joe Madden's lame duck season in 2019 where it started out them coming off a 95 win season. Uh, Madden had obviously built up uh, an enormous amount of capital. He had so much charisma and you wondered if you know Theo would actually go through with this and like go through with the divorce and the Cubs made it obvious by the end of that season what was it like a nine game losing streak that September where it just became clear to everyone that the idea of running it back just didn't make a whole lot of sense and they were able to kind of put on this amicable uh Front and I think you know both sides did kind of believe it. Joe landed in a a great spot. Um, he has you know great relationship with David Ross, you know all that. And I think with Jed Hoyer here, it's gonna it's certainly trending in a similar way to where you know when he took the job, it was like, oh all these tough decisions he has to make, and you know what are they gonna do at the trade deadline if they're you know you know, three games over 500 or two games out of first place. Like this team is telling us what should be done that unless something dramatically changes, unless they consistently perform uh, at a level uh, that has been elusive for you know a couple years now that no one's going to be clamoring for this to come back. It is going to be all of us, writing these kind of obits on this era of Cubs baseball and like, you know, Brett blogging like three weeks at a time uh, for his trade deadline watch. Like it's not too early to start on that, (laughs) that it's going to be just wall to wall sell rumors from like June to the end of July. Yeah. What a great parallel to draw there. Well, great, great in the sense that you, you did a good job with it. Not so great in the sense of like um, emotional resonance that <laughs> that 2019 season, um, I think a lot of fans entered into it thinking, uh, you know, how could you 
allow a lame duck season to start like this. And their thinking was not about like the performance of the team or anything like that. It's that, well, of course, if Joe Madden wants to stay, give him a couple more years, you know, peg it to where everybody else has got a couple more years left. And by the end of it, and not even by the end of it, by, by mid September, it was like, Oh yeah, this is just sort of an organic process of, of separation um, that, that, we have been convinced by the team's performance and by the sort of stagnation uh, by so many players, by organizational development, all of these things that then in turn, you you think about Theo's departure last year. I think if you had said a year in advance of that, like, oh, you know, I think Theo's going to be leaving year early. Uh, I think the fan reaction would have been like, this is nuts. You can't let that happen. You got to figure something out. Um, and by the time it happened, I mean, we were talking about it before he actually left. It was like, should he even come back for next year? Should they maybe start the process of turning the page? And once again, this year, prior to the season, it was all the conversations about, well, how could they possibly enter this season without having extended Rizzo, maybe having extended bias? Like, let's have the conversation about Chris Bryant, all these guys. And I'm not saying that it will definitely play out the same way fans attachment and emotional resonance with players is a little different than execs and um, managers, but it is no longer all that difficult to see how things could play out this year. And you might see, well, the Cubs were unable after 2018 to do the work of fixing what was broken. Theo's own words uh, and recrafting the roster, maybe making some trades when it would have made more sense. So now their hand is forced. It feels like a natural moment to, to sort of let these guys depart and turn the page. Like these are points that I think would have been inconceivable to a lot of fans just three weeks ago. And now I would almost guarantee you that there are a lot of fans that are like, oh, you know, sometimes we forget you actually have to play the games and then the games tell you a lot about what needs to happen and what the players are and, and all these things. And so I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to follow for the next few months. We're going to see what happens, but it's, it's just become so easy to conceive of a world where not only do a lot of guys depart after this year, but a lot of fans are like, okay, yeah, go get yours. It's fine. It's fair. It's time. Um, and I, I just, uh, I don't know that people would have expected that three weeks ago. You know, when Patrick was kind of talking about the 2019 season, I I couldn't help but think about that 2018 season where they won 95 games, right? It was 95, and and I can't – I mean, that felt like a mirage, right? Like, Is that one of the worst things to happen to this group was winning 95 games when they probably didn't deserve to? I mean, there were so many – it was so easy to make excuses for that group. Darvish was hurt, uh, multiple underperformances. There there were a couple other – I think there were either a couple other major injuries or or reasons to kind of dismiss performance. Do you remember that? Also late in the year, there was the weird schedule stuff. Yeah, and so it was easy to point to different – excuses and and ignore the major red flags particularly with the offense which I mean that was when Theo said the offense broke somewhere along the line but but it was very easy to say okay there's there's here are some excuses to make and I think Theo was trying to resist those excuses while also saying they exist and you know he was trying to find that balance but he you could almost tell in that post season presser how he was like 
he'd push back on the over like the very negative questions right but he'd also say well we have to remember that it did go wrong you know we can't make excuses but there are these excuses and i think that played against them that 95 wins was easy for ownership to point to i mean ricketts did point to it multiple times when they made no changes in the offseason he said listen we don't need to i like this team a lot look at the Look at the the team on paper. We won 95 games last year, and we didn't get anything from the free agents that we signed. Uh, right? It was it was Chatwood and Morrow too, right? We were supposed the the team was supposed to get something from Morrow in 19, right? They, they were just like, oh, he missed the second half. He'll be back. Uh, so, I mean, it was that that could be a big turning point. As I mean, we could discuss a hundred different things, right? And we have the the pitching, uh, drafting, and development. Before you get off of that, let me just tee something up that you guys don't even necessarily have to respond to, but it's like, it is something that we're going to be talking about, and it's a framing for this very discussion. Thinking about what you just laid out, the things that the Cubs didn't do after 2018 because of the excuses and and all of that, wouldn't it have been very easy? So we have this BS partial season in 2020 where the Cubs win the division. I think I agree with you, Sadev, and I know I've seen you going back on forth on Twitter with a few folks. I agree that that was not a particularly impressive year for the Cubs. Even even if you're just factoring in that like, oh, it was a weird whatever. I didn't think that looked like that great of a team. Um, you're talking and, about last year? Yeah, I'm talking about 2020 yeah. team. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it have been easy for the Cubs to repeat the script and say, yeah, but we won the division, you know, whatever. We won the division. We won the division. Are we going to look back at the U Darvish trade which was absolutely driven in large part by financial reasons. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but it, are we potentially going to look back at that and say, well, that's the kind of move they should have made after 2018, that hard, painful move. Um, and so it was actually, you know, it was a better acknowledgement of the reality of the team before 2021 than the Cubs were able to do for themselves before 2019. Yeah, I, I think uh, ultimately that's that's correct. I don't know if uh, I still have an issue with the value return on the Darvish trade, and maybe that's just baseball in general, and I have to start accepting that that this is what uh, trades of stars are going to look like uh, for a few years, and probably have outside of uh, you know really aggressive moves. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you're right. Ultimately, that a really hard decision needed to be made after that 2018 season. And they didn't do it. They needed to move someone. I don't. I need to go back and and really dig into seeing what would have made sense. But a hard decision needed to be made, and it and it just wasn't. Then nothing was done. Uh, it, I mean, I I can't remember. I think that was the Descalso signing, and uh, it was they picked up Hamill's option, Cole Hamill's option, right? That was yeah. the big move. Oh, that, that was, was the I move. Think, yeah, I think that was the. Uh, I think that's what the Cubs look back on of like, if we hadn't had to do that move we had just developed something internally or if darvish had stayed healthy giving you a reasonable expectation he could have done that then i think that's where maybe you know not saying they would have signed dj LeMay, but you could have just done more to kind of diversify the team maybe um just kind of set yourself up in a different way other than just kind of you know paying top of the market for you know a mid-30s pitcher who was like okay the next year but not exactly you know what they wanted uh in 2019 
Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's. If a, I remember I, that correct. It all kind of blends together, but I think that's. No, no we you're get it. Right. You're blaming the entire Cubs downfall on Cole Hamels. I, I get it. <laughs> Unders, understood. Uh, there's so many twists and turns when you think about it. When you remind me of that, because Hamels was awesome in 2019. He started off awesome and he got hurt, and and he just never found it again. He never got fully healthy. But he was. It, there was a point where it was like, not only is he their best starter. Is he in the Cy Young race? Like that's how good he was at one wow. point. Like, that feels forever in. ago. But yeah, yes, right? you're right. And, it, you're right. and it's just like it it completely changed the tenor of that season. So many little twists and turns. You could go back and 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 look at the past four or five years and say and I I think it, there could be an argument for saying pointing to a moment and saying, This is it. Like five five or six different ones. Uh, where we could say, yes, this is the moment. This is where it all fell apart. Probably more than five or six, probably dozens, really. If we're, if I'm going to point out that Hamels moment, that Hamels stuff, there's probably so many little things like that. Uh, but Brett, you're right. I think ultimately the the hard decision wasn't made. So as as much as we may there there may be distaste for that U Darvish trade, maybe we look back and say he made the hard uh, decision that he's he was criticized for heavily. Uh, maybe fairly in in some ways, but but that ultimately uh, helped the team in the long run. Maybe I think Cubs fans have to hope for that right now. Yeah, I mean certainly at least in the near term, having you Darvish right now is not the difference between us thinking this is a competitive team and not. So as as much as you Darvish is awesome, I really don't think he is that difference for this year's team. So. Um, Obviously, the nature of the return on that trade, I think I agree with you. A lot of us sort of don't love that, and it will necessarily mean that it'll be several years before we can actually accurately be like, oh, okay, yeah, that was a really good move, or oh, boy, that was as bad as we thought. Um, anything else you guys want to drop in before we uh, sort of uh, shuffle on on out of this uh, morose morose morning they, we, i don't know we if our listeners can take any more of our sunshine God, I, I swear and optimism we we do not folks uh I, hopefully you're still enjoying this my friends but you know we don't come into these things with like we're gonna make people feel horrible we're gonna take their cubs fandom and then just twist the knife with it uh but it's it has been it's the nature of the, the team performing as they have this year, but then exactly how Sahadev kind of kicked things off here. It's been a decline. You know, you can't always see the clarity of the decline until you're well past it, but it has been just a steady march of, of disappointment for so many reasons, some within their control, some not. Um, and then I think we're just kind of going to all as, as both fans and as evaluators and writers and podcasters find our footing about what it is to cover and talk about this team in 2021. And I think we're still finding that right now because I think the Cubs themselves are still probably thinking about what that course is going to be this year. Uh, against, by the way, all of this, the backdrop of a CBA that expires this year that could truly fundamentally change how you build an organization we oh god we gotta we gotta get into that in another in a future podcast to uh because that is going to be a fundamental consideration with what the cubs do at the trade deadline and stuff that man we haven't even touched on that yet all right so there's there's a good tease that'll keep you 
wonderful folks listening despite the 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 depression that the cubs foist upon you at this moment so thank you all for listening make sure you are subscribing wherever you get your podcasts rate review uh that's the sharma and patrick mooney get their great stuff as always at the athletic i'm brett taylor you can get my stuff at bleacher nation and we appreciate you listening and telling your friends so we'll talk to you again uh later this week thanks take care